Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of Dogcast Radio, which is our Crufts 2018 special. Coming up, we have these interviews. Uh, they're reindeer herders. Yeah, so they're from the north of Finland. They live with the farmers and, you know, they help the farmers, basically, yeah. with their reindeer. Yes, we started with our last two Great Danes. Yeah. They both gave blood to our vets. And he actually donates a whole bag, the same as we would. With my dogs, one donation could save seven lives. When you look at our research, in fact, 65% of UK dog owners don't even know that supplements can help their dogs. So we've still got a huge job to do to help people to, to understand well, that. We're in a position where this could happen at any time to any dog. How do we fix this? What do we do? How do the police possibly know who to call if there's a problem? How do they know who's legitimate, who's honest, who's insured? This has brought me to something I'm currently calling Animal Information Point. This, along with all our shows, is on our website, dogcastradio.com, and you'll find photos of Crufts there and lots of other resources. At Crufts, I went through some sensory deprivation, but it was all in a good cause, because it was on the guide dog stand, and it was to raise awareness and give a taste of what life is like for people who are blind or partially sighted. But before I could do it, I had to don special equipment. Jackie explained to me. You put the blindfold on, which has yep. got cutouts in it, yep. so you keep your eyes open. Right. Because if you close your eyes, your brain's not expecting to see anyway. Yes. But if you've got your eyes open and you can't see, your brain's immediately confused and doesn't actually understand what's going on. Yes. That's what it's like to be blind. Yes. So what we've got is just different textures on the walls, different surfaces. We've got everyday noises coming from hidden speakers. Yep. So basically, you hold onto the wall, just walk slowly around, see what you can feel, see what you can hear, see what it feels like to you. Yeah, and then talk about okay. it when you come out. It's as simple as that. Okay, thank you very much. I'll see you on the other side. Come this way. Okay. So you're going individually. Yep. You follow the wall up the left hand side. Yep. Just keep your hands on the left hand side and just follow it round. And then my colleague over there will find you the other end. Okay. As long as I don't let go of the wall. Don't okay. let go of the wall. And it's always right, on so the left hand yep. side. And what it's doing is obviously <laughs> enhancing. I'm just all putting of the Gosh, right, so we've got a mask with foam against my face and my eyes are open, there's space for my eyes to be open, but I can't see anything, so okay, it's quite... So I'm okay, to oh, I'm holding free. hands, all right, thank you, Anita. Okay. Oh, so here we go, I'm just, through. I think I'm going through the door. You're going through the but door. But I can't see a thing, oh my goodness. Keep your eyes open at all times. I am, I am, but I'm not... Oh, right, okay. So follow that wall. Oh, right, that feels like grass, side. I think, on and the wall. Yeah, so grass. Okay. Just follow it round. All oh, right, and then, oh gosh, I don't know, bricks like bricks on the wall it's quite disorientating well, it's very disorientating I'm in the dark so anyway well I don't know if I'm in the dark or not because I, I can't actually see I've got padded mask so my eyes are open I've got to a new surface on the side I really don't know what that is there's a ridge there's a horizontal ridge and oh is it a fence it's a fence it's a fence so there's a there's the horizontal of the fence and then there's like overlapped Chip lap, you kind of call it, I think. And then we're on to. It's, it's got a rectangular pattern to it, and the wall's curving round, so I'm going to try and follow that. Oh, and we're back to some grass. Oh my goodness, and I'm feeling quite dizzy now because it's. Um, I can't see what I'm doing. 
and it's, it, as I say, it's very disorientating. I've just I've found my way along the grass, and and I've got to another surface, which again, that's rectangles. I don't know what it is. I'd love to come back through here with my eyes open and see what I'm feeling because I haven't got a clue. Back to a. There's, a, there's overlap. It's, it feels like a roof looks with the sort of overlapping of the tiles, but I really don't know if it is, and I'm going along here, and I'm having to step very carefully because, of course, I don't know. The surface of the floor is changing. That's feeling. It's not quite as regular as bricks, but there's, it could be cobbles, like a, a cobble, but it's on the wall. It's not on the floor. So it could be cobbles. The floor's a little bit uneven now. Not enough to strip over, and we've changed again to some kind of overlapping surface on the wall and I'm feeling along and I'm really really feeling now like I want to take the mask off and see what's going on it is it's quite scary so we're up to could be cobbles again it's so difficult to know what you're touching when you can't see oh and the walls coming out I think that's grass again that feels like and then we're on to rectangular shapes again and of course there's the noise as well and I can't see what the noise is coming from then I've got oh fence again fence again there's the horizontal and there's the overlapping bits they're horizontal as well <laughs> oh gosh and I think a train's just gone by us then oh my goodness the, the surface has changed again but it's getting quite hard to actually concentrate on what I'm feeling because I'm thinking oh, I want to get out now Oh, I think, am I at the other end? Hello, anybody there? That's no? The okay, it is the exit. Oh my goodness, gonna have a hand. This is the only scary bit. Oh, right. Oh, I made it through. Gosh. Oh, so I can take the mask off. You can take the mask off now. Oh. And oh my goodness. Makes you realise what a difficult position people are in when they're blind and how difficult it is all day, every day. We experience this for two or three minutes and they've got it all the time. Things like shared surfaces, quiet cars, going on a bus and not knowing when to get off. But our dogs do a magnificent job yes. in helping people around and, yeah. and getting them to know the routes. Yeah. Uh, we work very hard to, to make sure that uh, we match the right dog to the right person. So uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic course. They, they, I mean, it is that's such an experience because by the end, I was really thinking, I want to take this mask off and I want to see what's going on. Uh, yeah, know. I'm at the end. When will this finish? Yes. And, yeah. and for some people, it never finishes. No. And also in there, you start thinking, is anybody else in here? Is anybody actually watching me? It's quite a paranoid experience. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. yeah. We've had one or two people that have gone in and said, by the first turn, they've come back out again. Mm. So we only let one person in at a time for obvious yeah. reasons. Yes. Yeah. Um, but some people have, have said, "No, no, that's it. Um, I, I really want to. I really don't want to do yeah. this." It's and I think that that really does say to them, "This is what I would be like 24/7." Yeah, yeah. And but and yet, if I had had a dog in there, sort of, even just yeah, my dog keeping me company, yeah. I would have been calmer. And of course, you can talk to them and say, oh, "What do you think this is?" And sort of have a bit Absolutely, of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not only a, a, a dog that does a fantastic job, 
from. It's a dog that's there as a as a companion. Yes. And as you say, you, you can talk to the dog. And actually, when you've got a dog, people talk to you. Yes. Even as as puppy walkers through the street, I can walk through our village when I haven't got a puppy, and people will not know who I am. But when I've got a dog, they say, "Oh, you've got another dog. Yeah. What's his name?" Yeah. Uh, so it is a real icebreaker, uh, and people do do like having the, the dogs around. Yeah. Jenny braved the tunnel too, and it's odd, but when you come out, you get a sort of adrenaline rush. So, in that post-tunnel rush, we compared notes of the experience. So Jenny's just been through as well, and she's just at the exit. There we go, oh. Jenny. It's scary as a bit now is when you wow. take, take that off and you see me. You go. Ah! So what did you think of that? It was so scary. Yeah. Because you've got your eyes open, and the yes. thing that it feels like you're going to bump into something, ever like yes. something on your head, and the floor was much more difficult yeah, than I thought. Changed. Yeah. So it is quite unnerving. And I got, yeah. I really got the urge to go. I want to take my mask yes. off now. Yes. And you, yeah. And you can't. Well, you, you could. You couldn't. You could. Well, you couldn't. If, obviously, you couldn't change if you were blind. So that's the, the one of the points of the thing. The it makes you feel dizzy, like you're just going to fall over. And yeah. and when it because it curves around because it's a tunnel. Yeah. So when it stops curving and you suddenly don't know where you're going yeah. and it's it's very yeah. scary. And also, I start to think halfway through is because I was obviously talking my way through and talking to the the recorder. And I start to think, is somebody in here watching this, thinking, what an idiot? <laughs> feeling as well. Yeah, I kept thinking I was going to bump my head on things, because I'm way too short to actually bump my head on anything, but it felt like there was something right above my head that I just couldn't, like, see, yeah. and it's... Yeah. You start yeah. thinking you can feel things that aren't there, and, and the sound was scary as it's well. It's all very disorientating, isn't it? Pardon the pun, but it's a real eye-opener. <laughs> then we calmed down and had a chat with Jackie. Hello, hello. That was quite scary, actually. It is quite scary, isn't it? It really yeah. is, yeah. Because we have a lot of, especially younger people, who are all full of bravado, and it's kind of like, it's just an inflatable tunnel. And they come out this end and they go, oh, God, I didn't like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, and that's what it's like to be blind. Yeah. It's not nice yeah. at all. So what we're trying to do with this is, once again, especially for young people, get the message across, look after your eyes. Because if you don't look after your eyes, you do not want to live a life no. like this. No. Absolutely not. No. But I've had grown men come out of there in tears yeah, seriously it's, it's, it's very it's nerve-wracking and you have to concentrate yeah and then when you start to panic and you, you can't concentrate yeah you know, it's, it's hard and, and we, i think also when you think oh my god i can take this blindfold off when i get to the end but if i couldn't what would it be like yeah. and it does get you quite emotional yes. to think of what it's yeah. like yeah. yeah yeah and also i mean i've i've um, interviewed a lady who had a guy well several people that had a guy that but the one particularly she said with my dog i don't feel disabled I no just they don't walk. absolutely yeah. absolutely it is I mean obviously we're at Crufts and everybody that's here with their dog adores their dog but the relationship between a guide dog owner and their guide dog is kind of like times that by ten the love and affection you have for your ordinary pet dog because it's not just their companion and their mate it is their freedom it's their independence it's their lifeline it absolutely is yeah where can people find out more about guide dogs online Um, all the best information is on our website which is very simple guidedogs.org.uk um, there's lots of little buttons you can press which will take you from one page to the next page there's an awful lot of downloadable stuff as well um, we have got probably the best schools website of any charity yeah. there's some brilliant stuff on there for teachers to actually download brilliant. about eye care there's lots of different um, say there's a picture of a tractor press a 
button and it shows you this is what a tractor's like if you've got cataracts this is what the tractor looks like if you've got macular degeneration and it shows all the different eye diseases and it just gives you an idea so it's a really good learning tool for children and especially because a lot of kids can relate and say oh my grandma's got that I was just you know, my mum's got yeah. a sorry mum for mentioning it but you've got yeah. a cataract exactly that's yeah. it so you know we, we often find if you can get that link in the ch- in a child's family instantly the more interested in it mm-hmm. and as far as I'm concerned the quicker you can get the eye care message into people the yeah. better because I mean so few parents take the kids for eye tests they don't think that they should but you should be taking them from eye tests as soon as they're about four or five yeah. year old really yeah. Yeah. yeah and it never stops even when they're 22 you have to carry on taking them <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly oh, well thank you very much you're Jackie. very welcome have a brilliant group thank you very much actually that reminds me that it's time for Jenny and me to have another eye test and if you want more information about eye care and the wonderful work that guide dogs do we have a link to guidedogs.org.uk on the dogcastradio.com site many guide dogs are that familiar breed the labrador but i wanted to find out more about one of the less well-known breeds at crufts so i went to have a chat about finnish lapuns with jane treasure so we're down in the benching in hall three four, four? four. i've already got disorientated you think so we're in hall four down in the benching and it's it's so beautiful down here because we've got Pyrenees on one side, but on this side we've got Finnish lapwings. That's right. Which is what you're hearing. Yes, I have yeah. three of them. Yeah, three. Wow. So, how have you done today? Uh, to be honest, not great today. Okay. Oh. No, but, but my dogs all performed exactly as I asked them to, so I'm quite happy. That's all you can ask of them. Absolutely. Yeah, they were happy, so I'm happy. Yeah. And you take the best dog home. Oh, every time. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. The thing is, I always say. But listeners will be bored with this, but I will say the thing is, you've got to try to be the best owner. Yes, yes, and that's not always easy. No, no. <laughs> so anyway, you came, you made it to Crofts. Yes. That's an achievement. Yeah. So that's okay. So tell me about Finnish Lapins. What are they like to live with? To live with? Well, for my three, I can only talk for my yeah. three, obviously. Actually, I find them very easy to live with. As I said, I've got three of them, and each one is very different. Yeah. So two of them, the two oldest, if anybody comes to the, the drive, a car, or somebody just walking up the gravel drive, I will know about it. <laughs> uh, whereas my youngest one says, that's fine, you come and do what you like. You know, I'm, I'm with my mum, I'm happy, sort of thing. So they love to do anything, to be honest, as long as they're with you. Yeah. So we do, I live in the country, so we do lots of walking, lots of walking over fields. We have wetlands nearby, so lots of walking there. We go to the beach, they love that. It's lovely you know, off-lead time on yeah. the beach. But if I have a rest day, so yeah. which I do actually give them a rest day now and again, so this is a sofa day, uh, we'll do enrichment, you know, enhancement things at home, yeah. so we play games. But in general, we, we veg out, and, and they're quite happy to do yeah. that as well. They've got an off switch. Yes, oh, yeah. my, mine do, yeah. yeah. There are a couple that maybe don't, but yeah, yeah mine definitely have off switches. I mean, the thing is, that's it, we do breed profiles, they're all individuals. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit like saying, tell me about Finnish Lapland owners, what do they like? <laughs> you know, we vary. I've met quite a few different ones this morning. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So what about, because they've got a beautiful coat, yes. what about grooming them? Well, I've always groomed mine from day one. When they're puppies, I groom them every single day to get them used to it. They get on a grooming table or they're on the sofa, but I'm cuddling them, I groom them. So they're all very used to it. And then as they get older, obviously, we, you know, we don't do it every day yeah. then. Generally, they have two big molts a year. And that you have to cope with. That is more grooming involved then. But other than that, as long as you keep them yeah. groomed regularly, and because mine are show dogs, obviously they're groomed every week, ready for a show anyway. Yeah. So, you know, we, that helps to keep her down. 
I do have tumbleweed sometimes in my kitchen, but you know, most of the time it's it's under control. Okay, and what about training? How do you how do you motivate a Finnish lapper? Well, mine are motivated by food. Yeah, that's useful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very much by food. Um, of my three, my middle one, Emmy, loves to learn. And she will, she will learn anything I want to teach her, loves it. My older one, Mika, takes a little bit longer to learn, but he will get it in the end. And my youngest one says, no, <laughs> not doing that, don't want to learn. I'm just going to stay here and let's go to the beach. <laughs> fun and look beautiful yeah. yes yeah. exactly yeah but but as i said you know they they are actually very trainable uh, they are they can be stubborn oh, yeah, yeah they can be stubborn yeah i said um but in general i would say they they are trainable yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, they lovely. what's their history what were they sort of created or bred for oh uh, they are reindeer herders yeah. yeah so they're from the north of finland and um, they, you know, live with the farmers, um, and you know, they help, live, you know, help the farmers basically yeah. with their reindeer. Uh, so they're quite sturdy dogs. Yeah. You know, they live out in very, very cold temperatures. Um, however, saying that, there are Finnish lapwings in Australia. There are Finnish lapwings in California. There's one in Italy that I know of, or probably more, but one I know of. You know, and so they do cope with the warm weather as well. Yeah. So they have this double coat, yeah. keeps them warm in the winter and keeps them cool in the summer. So we don't walk them in the summer yeah, in the extreme heat so they get walked early morning or you know in the evening. So but you know they, they are used or rather the original lappies yeah. are used to very low temperatures. And I guess if you've got a you know, if you've got that history of herding reindeer, maybe that's where the, the stubborn part comes from because you can't be a pushover, can you? No, that's right. And they have quite a high prey drive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so where I live, there are a lot of deer. Mm. So I cannot let mine just roam free when we're out walking through the fields because yeah. if a deer was to come out, they would give chase. Yeah. So I do keep them under control. They're on nice long leads, you know, but I have that control. Yeah. And if they see foxes and things like that, they, they will yeah. give chase to that. Yeah. However, there are lots of lappies that live with cats and cope quite well with that. Yeah. Um, some, some have a penchant for squirrels. <laughs> and I know my, my two oldest love to chase the squirrels yeah. up the trees, you know, and that sort of thing. So, yes, there are some that can be um, tr- troublesome in that way. Yeah. However, there are others that have actually been taught to live with sheep. So, you know, they, you know we, there are a lot of people that do a lot of different things with the breed. Yeah. Uh, they're obviously agility, have rally and obedience. My eldest uh, my one, Mika and Emmy, are both canine-concerned care dogs, and they go into care homes and visit the residents there. Um, you know, there are a lot of dogs, a lot of people do a lot of different things with the breed. Yeah, yeah they do sound very adaptable. They are very adaptable, yes. And they're, they're a nice... I mean, I, I, they're... It's a nice-looking breed. If you haven't seen them before, they're, they're not... You're going to tell me off, I think, but they're not dissimilar from a husky, although they don't look exactly like a husky. They, do, they, they do not look like no, Siberian huskies. No, no. They look like the type of husky that people think of when they think husky, yes. a big, fluffy... That's, I see, I was thinking like husky. Eskimo, you know, yes, sort of yeah. husky, that type. Yeah. No, um, they, they are very fluffy. Um, they look... I would say more like a, sa- a coloured samoid, yes, possibly. A, yeah, if so people come up with a much better what they look like. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And they're about a little bit shorter than a Labrador, would you say? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Their class is average, but they're, but they're actually just below av- um, average and yeah. uh, medium height. Yeah. 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 So 
so you've got a, a nice portable, adaptable dog in a finished Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I think so. I love them. I love them. I, when we got our first one, I said, only one. I'm not having more than one dog, and I now have three. Yes. Yeah. So they're very addictive. And you're going to carry on, aren't you? I can see it in your eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably I wouldn't go to four, possibly, but we would have more in the future. I'm going to come back next year and you say, yeah, I've got the four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if people want to find out more about the Finnish Lapland... OK, there's, there are two clubs. There's yeah. the Finnish Lapland Club of GB and there's the Southern Finnish Lapland Society. And they have websites and they have Facebook pages as well, so they just need to Google that and they can look then at all the breeders, they can see what litters might be coming up, find out about the breed. You, know, you definitely need to research the breed, make sure it's good for you. Do your research. They're really good family dogs. They get on very well with children. As I said, I take mine into care homes to see the elderly. I'm hoping to get mine into schools as well. We have uh, dogs that do our read-to dogs as well. So yeah, do your research, find out about them, and actually go meet them. Talk to breeders, but go and meet those that live in family homes and see how, what they're really like. We've come to a show. You have to remember dogs are very excited when they come to shows. They don't always show how, what they're really like. Go to a home and see them in their own environment. Yeah, yeah. And if you do go to a breeder, I always think, go to one that doesn't have puppies yet. Because if you go in and they have puppies, you're a goner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with our breed, there's generally waiting lists for is our breed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. No, I know really? no, absolutely. I mean, we we thought we'd have to wait two years, and we were very lucky, and we got one within about three months. Yeah. So we were very lucky. But uh, yes, definitely do the research, though. We have all the links Jane mentioned on our site, dogcastradio.com. But Crufts wasn't over for Jane. She was due back the next day. I'm actually helping out one of our breeders uh, with their team in the breeders' competition that's being held here tomorrow. So, so what's, what's that? Um, but this, is, this year it's a bit different. There's just 40 breeders um, have got teams in the competition. From now on it will be different. They're, they're, um, I don't exactly know how they're going to be doing it, but it, this is a kind of one-off. Um, we actually have two Finnish Lapland teams, uh, so two different breeders having a team tomorrow. See, I've got the image now of people coming into the breed and going, come on, we need to breed some dogs quickly. That's not the competition, I know. No. Tell me what the competition uh, is. Th- this is looking at um, a breeder and the dogs that they've bred and see, making sure, sure the, you know, the consistency, uh, but, but with improvement as well. Yes. And so basically it's a team of a minimum three, could be four dogs, and you have to run them as if you're actually in a proper show ring as well but you do it all together wow. so yes that sounds interesting. and it will be actually uh, posted on youtube as well they normally film it and post it on youtube Excellent. well the best of luck with that thank you very much there's more to breeding than getting a male and female dog together or at least there is for good breeders a dog's very lucky if they start life in the hands of a good breeder and they're even luckier if they continue in the hands of a good owner my next interviewee is an excellent owner Sharon Rose. As you'll gather, her dogs carried on meeting their loving public throughout this interview. Hi, you, Sharon. Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying crafts. Yes, yes. And it's only day one. <laughs> I know. We're, we're, it's our one and only day, thank goodness. Yes. It, well, me too this year, yes. It's, it, it's been much all four days, isn't it? It has, but um, it's too much. And it's a lovely show, but the walk from the car park. Yes, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, you've done your, your mile before you've started exactly. the day across. So, your dogs, you've got Great Danes, two gorgeous, great big Great Danes. How old are they, Shay? 
Um, Brooks about three and a half, and Barnaby's nine months. And they're beautiful. And Barnaby, if anything, is bigger than Brooke, isn't he? Yeah. Brooke weighs 65 kilos, Barnaby about 74. Wow, they are big. And <laughs> you sort of cut a swathe through crufts through the crowd, don't you, as you walk along? Yeah, and we can't go anywhere because everybody stops you. Yes, yeah, you can take a, can I touch him? Can I say hello? <laughs> which is, yeah, and which is great. It's great socialisation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bless. Oh, Brooks just had his uh, pour up on somebody's sort of lap then. That was gorgeous. Okay, so... They're lovely dogs, and, and I know they have a wonderful life with you. But you're helping make other dogs' lives wonderful, aren't you? Yes, we started with our last two Great Danes. They both gave blood to our vets. Um, but they can't start till they're things a year. And they didn't do it very often. And fortunately, or unfortunately, nobody ever wanted Brooke. So we enrolled with the Royal Veterinary College... And he goes every two or three months. Um, he's done it twice. And he actually donates a whole bag, the same as we would. Wow, a whole bag, just the same as a human would? Yes. And they, they do it, they work out how much by the weight. Um, so, and dogs start at, I think it's 26 kilos. Um, and they have to be, so they have to be about a, a year or 18 months. And then be um, yeah, 20, over 26 kilos. And of, with my dogs, one donation could save seven lives. That's incredible. So to know you're doing good is amazing. And he's okay with it? He loves it. We took him the first time just to be measured, um, not to be weighed, have a blood test, and just to get used to it and got treats. The second time we went, they actually donated it, and he got loads and loads of treats. And this time, the third, when he went for his second donation, as we approached the place, he got excited, and he saw the nurse, and he got even more excited, <laughs> and he loved it. They put a numbing gel on, his, on him, so he doesn't feel anything, and all he knows is he's getting treats. And they lie on there, he lies on his side, and I, I hold his lap and whisper to him, and the nurse is talking to him, and we're feeding him treats, and that's it. And I've got a video which you can choose. Um, and it's brilliant, but you're not a dog and mustn't have been abroad, has got to be vaccinated, and as I said, has got to be over 26 kilos. If you fit that criteria, what a wonderful thing to do. You think about it, we all love our dogs and would do anything to save them. So then I actually don't personally believe in vaccinating regularly. I used to do it just as puppies. But because the dogs can do this, I would want someone to do it for my dog. So we vaccinate him every year. You, you are a wonderful dog owner, Sharon, and you're making life better for other dog owners. Yeah, but I would want people to do it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the day. And you. Thanks a lot. She's fantastic. Her dogs are lovely, and together they do so much good. But she's right. The amount of walking at Crufts tires you out before you even start the day. Great owners need the support of great products via great companies, and Lint Bells is exactly that.
I spoke to their CEO. So I'm here at Crofts with John Howie. Hi, John. Hi there, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Very busy. It's the start of a busy four days, mate. It is, yeah. We've been really busy so far this week. So, uh, yeah, just hopefully the next four days will be the same. Excellent, excellent. Well, you, the thing is, you're getting the message out to help people's dogs, aren't you? So, I mean, it's, it's really great. So let's, let's share it a bit further than just the audience at Crofts. So what is it that you, you're here at Crofts, you know, telling people about particularly? Well, we're keen for people to understand the benefits uh, that natural products can bring to their pet's health so that we can ensure that they're moving freely, that if they've got itchy skin, that they're not quite so itchy anymore. Um, And often people are worrying about using sort of pharmaceuticals and so on for their dogs and are looking for a natural product that can do help with that. Um, And that's partly what we're here to do is just to explain where we can help them with their different health issues. Well, I'm one of the ones, well, my dog is one of the ones that you certainly helped. So, brilliant. And he's on you move. So, and that's one of the new products you're, you're bringing out, isn't it? Yeah, so we've had you uh, move in the market now since 2009. So, it's the, it's the UK's number one joint supplement for dogs. Um, and we did all of the work with the Royal Veterinary College, proving uh, the product worked and, and could support dogs' mobility uh, in about six weeks. We've continually researched in the background, whilst we have all our products in the market, we also have uh, extensive research programs both in the UK and overseas. Um, and we look at how we can further improve our products to keep helping dogs further. Um, and so actually here at Crust, we just launched our latest uh, joint supplement you move plus which is a higher strength version of you move so that's more for dogs that started to get a little bit stiffer um, getting a little bit older in life and looking for extra support from a joint point of view it's certainly helping buddy because he's got um, various problems he's 15 he's got arthritis he's got a degenerative spine condition he's got you know various things but he's a bit wobbly some days some days worse than others but we're, we're on an upwards trend at the moment but his tail is wagging, and part of that is down to you. So thank you, and there must be thousands of dog owners around the country feeling the same. So, I mean, it must make your, jo- you know, make your job a little bit easier because it feels so good to know you're helping people so much. Yeah, and it's very rewarding, and I'm really pleased that we're able to help your dogs so much. Um, but, yeah, it is really great, and it's great for our team as well because they, uh, you know, they work really hard every day to try and help dogs wherever they can. Um, and so when they're getting the feedback like that, it's, it's fantastic. And, yeah, we've, we've probably got about 200,000 dogs in the UK using U-Move now. Um, but when you look at our research, in fact, 65% of UK dog owners don't even know that supplements can help their dogs. So we've still got a huge job to do to help people to, to understand well, we'll, that. We'll, we'll do our best to, to help you get that message out. But, I mean, in the meantime, just tell me about the, the U-Move, the green-lipped muscle. Because yeah. I found that just fascinating. So tell me about that that's in the U-Move. Yeah, so green-lipped muscle is uh, it's unique to New Zealand, actually. Uh, so we have to have a very strong relationship with our partners in New Zealand to help us with that. Um, it's a source of a unique uh, set of omega-3s, which can be really good for joint health, particularly for easing stiffness in joints. Um, so we've worked very carefully over the last five or six years with our partners in New Zealand to identify exactly what components, which balance of omega-3s is the right one to help stiff dogs. Um, and then we've worked very carefully with them to, to improve on that as we've, we've moved forward. So, yeah, there are, it's a natural product coming uh, from the sort of crystal clear waters of New Zealand. Um, and it's, it's the most sustainably uh, produced marine product of any uh, in the world. Um, but it also means it's really great for dogs and keeping them running around the park. 
I think we'll have to go and have a look. I've got Jenny with me today. I think we'll have to go and have a look at where this is coming from, this green lip muscle. I fancy a trip. It's a beautiful part of the world. I have to go out two to three times a year. What a trial! Journey. Yeah, well, it's a 36-hour journey, so it is quite quite lengthy. Well, but okay. once you're there, <laughs> you're making it sound less good. <laughs> no, it's worth it, wouldn't you? Think? It is, and, and it's in the beautiful part of New Zealand. So uh, most of the muscles come from the Marlborough Sounds, which is an absolutely beautiful part of the world. It's uh, environmentally, it's one of the most environmentally best maintained areas of globally. So. It's got all the right credentials for us as a very ethical company. We want to make sure we're working with people that are looking after our ingredients as much as we're looking after people's dogs. Brilliant. It's a brilliant company. Tell me, um, where can people find out more about you online? Um, so they can visit lintbells.com. Um, come to our website there. It's got all of the information. Um, there's also all of our contact numbers there as well. So if anybody's got a question, they can either email us. Um, or give us a call and our customer services team we've got uh, vets and vet nurses sitting there able to help or go onto Facebook and look for Limbell's Pet Health um, and again you'll be able to see lots of information there and ways to get in touch We have the link to lintbells.com on the Dogcast Radio site so you can find out for yourselves how good their products are Crufts is a great place to get a message about dogs out to a lot of people. And renowned trainer and behaviourist Debbie Connolly had a very important message to get across. I'm here at Crufts 2018 talking to Debbie Connolly. Hi Debbie. Good afternoon Julie, nice to see you. Very, very formal, well put, yes, good afternoon. It was a little formal for yes. us, wasn't it really? <laughs> Considering we're here hiding behind the banner to get the noise cut down. But there you go. This, this is the reality of life at Crofton. That's your business, I'm afraid. Well, this is it. <laughs> at least we're not in the cupboard at the minute. Well, not yet. The, 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 the day's young yet. Well, this is it. We haven't started drinking yet. Anyway, um, so you've... You might not have. I may have already. <laughs> well, yes. Well, you've got to cope with me, though, so there you go. You need the drink. So you, you're here to sort of... You, you're launching an... A sort of soft launch of a, a new idea, aren't you? So tell me about this. Um, yeah, indeed, a soft launch. Um, people who watch the t- uh, new TV news and everything will see that uh, there was a big story in the press uh, about a month, maybe a bit longer ago now. Uh, Clinton and Durham police were involved in an incident in Hartlepool where a dog originally thought to be a German Shepherd was abandoned, tied to a pole next to a railway line. Um, the dog was uh, uh, presumed abandoned. Uh, two dog wardens tried to put it on a catch pole and remove it. Uh, that didn't work. They felt the dog was too dangerous. The RSPCA were called, who stood and watched it all day. And the end result was the police appeared to have made um, one minor approach towards the dog, declared it too dangerous to recover. And this went on for about five hours at least. They were on scene for five hours and it resulted sadly in them deciding to shoot the dog dead um, because they felt it wasn't safe to recover it. Now, you can understand there's been a huge yeah. outcry and people are very upset. And, um, and uh, as somebody who works a lot with the police in my expert witness work, I, I found this a little bit difficult to understand because the police are constantly kicking doors down and recovering some very, very, very dangerous and uh, very aggressive and being encouraged to be so dogs. Um, and yet he was a, a contained dog tied to a pole and they couldn't manage to get a couple of dog handlers to shift it. So on the surface, it's rather upsetting. It's uh, infuriating because there were ex-dog handlers commenting on Facebook saying, I, I do this. I've recently yeah. retired. I could have recovered that dog. So it, it does seem 
extreme. It's brought out a number of things, though, that um, the RSPCA seem to be the, the go-to for everything, and they're not behaviourists or dog handlers, and they have no skills to recover a dog like this. Um, the police should have, but appear not to. So I'm still dealing with the police, and I, and I must thank the superintendent, who's actually been corresponding with me and invited me to send in some uh, an email containing some suggestions, some complaints, criticisms, and potential solutions. We can't bring back this dog, but I think we should be looking at the principle of who do the police call if there's a problem, and not Ghostbusters, obviously, um, unless they happen to know how to use a dog. Um, so we're in a position where this could happen at any time to any dog. The, the dog was ultimately identified more correctly as a Caucasian shepherd, and the, the owner, um, rightly, is due to appear in court, I believe under a uh, charge of potentially of abandonment, but certainly of a dog being dangerously out of control. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when that comes to court. The bigger issue for me was, how do we fix this? What do we do? How do the police possibly know who to call if there's a problem? How do they know who's legitimate, who's honest, who's insured? This has brought me to um, something I'm currently calling animal information point. The police have operational and monetary issues, so they need... Everybody knows the RSPCA. They need to be able to do that sort of thing, but to somebody more effective. I'm currently creating Animal Information Point, and I've been approached by a couple of organisations who already do this work in the private sector, recovering, darting. They are properly insured. They have trained, certified handlers, lots of experience. The councils have called on them previously. We can get references. So I'm doing a soft launch at the moment and a bigger launch shortly. But what I'm looking for are people who would be service providers or users, so legitimate individuals or companies who are properly trained, licensed, certified, who could assist in whatever areas if this situation occurred again. It could be a council that's found a a dangerous, or perceived to be dangerous, stray dog. It could be an owner who's taken a dog home and they can't get it out of the kitchen. Um, It could be anything. But at the moment, what we we need is a one-stop shop for that. The same as they pick up the phone and just seem to get the RSPCA in for everything, and they're not the people to be dealing with this. As was proven by the fact that the RSPCA inspector on scene simply stood there for five hours and couldn't really assist with the recovery of a dog perceived to be dangerous. So Animal Information Point, um, you can reach me through the safepets.co.uk website um, you can google me Debbie Connolly dog behaviourist you'll find all of my contact details I'm speaking to a couple of people at Crufts I'm also speaking with the Kennel Club who have uh, potentially um, suggested they might want to support it so I'm very grateful for that and we will be doing some work on that over the next uh, two to three weeks we, we need an alternative. We need a safe, secure alternative checked out. Anybody who wants to apply to be a provider must have all the right certificates and sign a contract to undertake that. And the idea is the police can go to that one website in these situations, or anybody can, go to that one website, see who covers their area, and go to that person in future. Because, as you say, they need to be able to contact somebody anywhere in the UK to deal with the situation, and quickly. Uh, Well, absolutely. It has to be done now. We haven't got time to start looking on Google to see who deals with the breed, and and then how do you know who's any good and who isn't? As we know from the perils of Facebook, some some organisations, including look marvellous but turn out not to have any insurance or have terrible premises and they're hiding it all so it's not easy for the police to find Mm -hmm. an alternative and that's the point to make it easy yeah Definitely. Well, you are the woman to do that. Uh, well, I am. I, I am grateful for the police's um, cooperation so far, but if it doesn't continue, um, I, they'll know about it, of course. <laughs> it won't be easy. <laughs> no, it won't be easy at all. 
Interesting to hear Debbie say she's aiming to make life easy for someone, because in my experience, she normally achieves the opposite. <laughs> but I love her dearly, even when she stumps on me. You can benefit from more of Debbie Connolly's wisdom at safebets.co.uk. And with that, Crufts was over for another year. And now the Dogcast Radio News. I just need to settle the dogs. Buddy, Mischief, sit down. Let me try. Buddy, Mischief, sit down. Oh, there's good, clever dogs. Stay there. Oh, good dogs. Such clever doggies, good dogs. Well done, but did you have to use that silly voice? I did, if I wanted them to listen to me. You see, I've just been reading some research from York University in the UK, which shows that using baby talk is more effective at getting dogs to listen. In the study, the dogs were exposed to speakers using dog-directed speech, which is speaking in a high-pitched, indulgent voice, as adults sometimes do when addressing young children, and to speakers using normal tones of voice. The words spoken were sometimes dog-related and sometimes not, and the researchers were aiming to investigate whether baby talk is of benefit to dogs and whether it actually influences the bond between humans and canines. Phrases such as, you're a good dog, and shall we go for a walk, and I went to the cinema last night, were spoken normally and in baby talk, while observations were made of the dog's attentiveness and their desire to interact with the speaker once they had finished speaking. Interestingly, it turned out that dog-relevant words spoken in baby speak scored most highly on both counts, suggesting that baby talk improves attention and increases social bonding between humans and dogs. This research was carried out with adult dogs, and the team now plans to repeat the experiment with puppies. I just have one question. What's that? Can I go and help out and get to play with the puppies? I've been reading some research done in Florida, USA, looking at whether dogs prefer their owners to anybody else, and surprisingly, how dogs behave with their owners versus strangers may depend on the context and the task. In this study, pet dogs were given the choice of being petted by their owner or by a stranger in a variety of settings. The dogs were given the chance to interact with their owner or a stranger in their home or in an unfamiliar place, and while in a strange place, 80% of dogs choose to spend more time with their owner. In their own homes, 70% chose to spend more time with a stranger. Clearly, environment has an important effect on our dogs. It could be assumed that in an unfamiliar location, the dogs usually seek the reassurance of its owner and ignores the stranger, while in its own home, with the owner's reassuring presence, it's happy to get to know the stranger. That's really interesting. We do like a good bit of research here at Dogcast Radio. We do. So have you got any more research to tell us about? No. I've got a story about a St Bernard dog called Macy. She sounds great. I love some Bernards. Poor Macy became ill. Oh, no! And her owner took her to the vet. Poor Macy. Where x-rays revealed an unusually full stomach and a mass on the spleen, which the vet suspected was cancer. But the vet had a revolutionary treatment that got rid of the cancer? No. Cutting-edge surgery saved the day? No. I don't like this story. Well, hang on. Let me tell the rest of it. Because when the vet operated to remove the spleen, it turned out that what Macy's tummy was full of was four teddy bears. Macy had stolen the small toys which belonged to the family's chihuahua. Macy's all recovered and her spleen was not cancerous. And the chihuahua got her teddies back? Er, uh, no. I've seen photos and they were in no state to be played with ever again. I'm back to not liking this story again. Her family took her out and brought her all new teddy bears. Let me see, does it say that? Oops, I just dropped that sheet of the script. Uh, what's the next story, Jenny? 
We're off to the Australian bush, Queensland to be exact, where a three-year-old girl named Aurora, cool name, wandered off and got lost. Oh, no! It's funny when I do it. It's just annoying when you do it. Fair enough. Luckily for Aurora, she was not technically alone when she wandered off because the family dog, Max, followed her. Max may have been 17 years old, partially deaf and blind, but as a cattle dog, he is determined with a strong protective instinct which now kicked in, and for the next 16 hours while humans searched for Aurora, Max stayed by her side. Aurora's grandmother heard the girl calling from a mountain over a mile away and hot-footed it up the summit. Max greeted her and led her straight to her granddaughter who was safe and sound by a few cuts and scratches. Over a hundred emergency workers and volunteers took part in the search, and police named Brave Max an honorary police dog. Professor Paul McGreevy, a University of Sydney animal behaviour expert, suggested that not only would Max have sensed Aurora's distress, but that his advanced age would have predisposed him to relish the physical contact of staying close to the girl. Say something, then. Oh, I can speak now, can I? It's a lovely story, and I imagine Max is getting lots of cuddles and rewards. I've got a story now that's worthy of a Disney film. When farmer Mark Bucknell found three tiny canines behind some straw bales on his farm in Cornwall, UK, he assumed they were his spaniel Ruby's puppies, as she was producing milk and mothering the pups. As they grew, it became clear they were not pups, but cubs, who were fast becoming not dogs, but foxes. The search is now on to find them a suitable home. Ah, oh, real-life fox and the hound. Would it be worth having them genetically tested, do you think, to see if Ruby did in fact mate with a fox? Actually, foxes and dogs can't interbreed because while a dog has 70 chromosomes, the fox only has 34. You just looked that up on your phone, didn't you? Maybe. Hang on. Ah, but a horse has 64 chromosomes and a donkey has 62, yet they can mate to produce a mule with 63 chromosomes. Let's put our phones down and finish reading the news. We're staying in Cornwall, where the Cornwall Dachshunds Walkers Group set a new world record for the most Dachshunds gathered together by assembling 601 Dachshunds on Perrinporth Beach. The previous record was 501 set in Wales in 2016, and if you're a Cornish Dachshund fan, you can join the group on Facebook via the link on the Dogcast Radio site. The world's first Dachshund museum recently opened in the Bavarian city of Passau in Germany. It features more than 4,500 items celebrating the sausage dog, which is a symbol of Bavaria. How about a road trip, Mum? Mum? Are you still looking up chromosomes on your phone? Maybe. That's it this time for the Dogcast Radio News. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. The Mayhew Animal Home in London will be having its annual Open Day sponsored by Lily's Kitchen and Protector Pet on Sunday the 13th of May 2018 from 11am to 4pm. You can join the street party and enjoy a unique look behind the scenes with the opportunity to visit the cattery and meet the occupants waiting for homes, tour the veterinary clinic and relax with their Therapaws dogs. Outside, you can enjoy a veggie barbecue, cocktails, live music and garden games. There will also be plenty of stores to browse with treats for both your two-legged and four-legged family members. For more information, visit themayhew.org forward slash events forward slash open day. And we have a link to that on the Dogcast Radio site, dogcastradio.com, where you can find a veritable cornucopia of canine-related entertainment and information. And until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. 
Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What would people say if a cat won cross? A cat one cruft. I don't know. What would people say? They'd say it's a cat has trophy. Oh, like a catastrophe. That's the joke. <laughs>